Hey everyone, it's Skeletoni here. Before we get started with this episode, I just want to let you know that we made a little bit of a boo-boo and accidentally spoiled Taylor's movie Contracted. Um, so, what I did is I went ahead and put a little buzzer in there for you guys as kind of a warning that if you don't want to hear the ending of the movie, go ahead and skip ahead about five minutes or so in the episode, um, just to kind of spare yourself any grief. Uh, if you don't care, go ahead and listen to it. Alright, that's about it. So, enjoy the show, guys. To the Grave Plot Podcast. I'm your host, Skeletoni. And I am Taylor of Terror. Uh, thanks for joining us again, guys. Uh, sorry we missed uh, the last episode, but hopefully we're back on track here. We won't miss any others. Hopefully you're still full from the Thanksgiving minisode. Right. Hopefully you listened to it several times. Hopefully you got stuffed. <laughs> All right. Um, so because we missed... The last episode, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about and catch you up on. Um, so we're going to skip a lot of the small talk and just kind of jump right into it. And uh, onwards to the news. reports, incredible as they seem, are not the results of mass hysteria. First eyewitness accounts of this grisly development came from people who were understandably frightened and almost incoherent. Officials and newsmen at first discounted there was eyewitness descriptions as being beyond belief. However, the reports persisted. Medical examinations of some of the victims bore out the fact that they had been partially devoured. Can I go first? Sure, sure. So, if you follow us on the various social networks, you've seen this story already. But I know that me, you, and anyone who grew up in the 80s is very excited about this. That they are making a scary stories to tell in the dark movie. <laughs> Those books were like the ultimate when we were kids. Yeah, everyone had them, and then they they got banned in some places because of the the graphic images. Right, right. And then they they released the 30th anniversary. I think it was in 2011. Uh, yeah, with new artwork. Right, and they, they looked like Disney art. It was awful. Oh God, I don't think I ever actually saw those, so that's that's disappointing. Yeah, no, they 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 look like cartoons. Oh God, they are they're really disappointing. And you know, a lot of the uh, the <clears throat> the drawings and the images and the originals, they weren't all that graphic. They just looked creepy. Right. Yeah, they were very well done. Yeah, definitely. Um, the the artist's name escapes me at the moment, but yeah, very well done. Um, just. Like I said, it wasn't really graphic, just really creepy to look at. And it's one of those things, if you have like the original books these days, they, they're pretty rare. They're yeah. worth some money. Really? I, I believe so. <laughs> you have them? Uh, I have one. Yeah, I, I believe it's <clears throat> just packed away in my old kids' books somewhere. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, it's being made by CBS Films, and it's being 
written by Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan, who wrote Saw. Mm-hmm. So I, I assume that means the first Saw, which means high hopes. Right. If it was like, oh, they wrote Saw 12, I'd be like, oh, well, fuck that. <laughs> uh, no word yet on what stories are going to be included um, or who's going to direct. Mm-hmm. But it centers on these outcast kids who work to save their town when their nightmares become a reality. Right, and that that's kind of, I think that's kind of like a what the studio said about it so far. Right. Um, I'm wondering if it's going to be like, um, what's the word when there's more story, more than one story that would all blend together? Anthology. Thank you. I think it's going to be one of those. I mean, that's the impression I get from, from the description. That would, that seems to be like it would be the, the, the best option. Right. Um, I mean, if you can take, you know, three or four stories from the books. Right, right. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's probably a, a way to combine the stories in some way, but I, I think it'd probably be a lot easier to just make it an anthology, um, maybe center around the same central cast of characters. Sure. But, you know, different adventures or whatever. Kind of like It. Uh, Yeah, a little bit. Like how they all had the flashbacks to It, but they all... We're mm-hmm. tied together. You know what I imagine when I when I see this is uh, Eerie Indiana. Yeah, I can see that. Maybe a little creepier, a little more uh, adult. I would hope so, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be geared towards kids or if it's going to be geared towards adults. I would think towards adults because we're the ones that grew up with these books. Right. But they were kids' books at the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like they've taken things from our childhood, re-geared them for kids of today. Um, yeah, and an example escapes me right now, but um, I mean they've done Ninja it Turtles. There you go. Yeah, it's like Ninja Turtles was developed when we were kids. Actually, a little before we were right. Even, it started out as a comic book. Yeah, yeah, and you know, fucking Michael Bay. Fucking Michael Bay. He's like, oh, I own the rights to this now. I'll change it however I want. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. I'm gonna come in your mother's face. Moving on! (laughs) Alright, so last full episode we talked to you guys about uh, uh, Beetlejuice 2, which isn't necessarily... Absolutely confirmed, but we got a lot of the people, like Michael Keaton said that it's happening, mm-hmm. but we haven't really heard anything from like studios or any, or even Tim Burton. Burton is allegedly in talks still. Right, right. Um, so it, it's not solid yet, but uh, more recently is we got Winona Ryder saying that she's going to be in. Uh, so, I mean, that brings back our, our kind of core. Core, thank you. Um, I mean, Tim Burton, assumingly, um, Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder. I mean, you can't make a Beetlejuice movie without those three, I don't think. It'd be great if they got Catherine O'Hara, too. That'd be nice. Um, I don't see them putting Jeffrey Jones in it. I, I, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he's really doing a lot of acting these days. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta keep him away from the children. Right. <laughs> um, but this is pretty exciting, uh. Uh, assuming it does happen, um, she was being, you know, uh, interviewed by, I assume, the, the paparazzi or the press or something, and saying basically that she'd been kind of sworn to secrecy on the details of it. 
but um, it, she says it, it sounds like it's going to happen. Uh, I mean, I think the, the cogs are just kind of in motion and uh, everything's starting to fall into place a little bit. Yeah, and she said that she never would have agreed to it if Keaton and Burton weren't on board, so that might be a little... She might have given a little spoiler there that maybe Burton's yeah. already signed on. Uh, yeah, possibly. Um, or, I mean, just that she's saying she wants to do it, but if you can't get both of them, then forget it. Oh, well, yeah. Um, but she did uh, make some acknowledgement, or she had some acknowledgement of the fact that um, a lot of fans don't want them to make a sequel and afraid they're going to kind of ruin the legacy of the original. I can see that, but I still want it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially with the originals. I mean, we saw um, Michael Keaton. He's, he can still do comedy. I mean, he's, he's fallen more to more dramatic roles um, in the past years, but he did uh, that movie The Other Guys with uh, Marky Mark and Will Ferrell. He was in Mark Mark. He was in that. <laughs> yeah, he was their chief. And he was funnier than shit. Um, so he's still got that. I mean, obviously that's kind of his, his core is, uh, comedy. I mean, that, that's what he knows. So, um, assuming all that happens, that, I mean, that's, that's just more good news for this and, uh, you know, gives me a more, even more positive outlook of the movie. Yeah, I'm excited. I hope it happens. Yeah. So, you know, and maybe some of the people listening know, but I am a huge fan of the old George Romero movies. Yeah. Um, and, like, Day of the Dead was the first one that kind of, you know, the whole bub thinking zombies thing kind of, to me, but mm-hmm. they remade it in 2008, and it was quite possibly the biggest pile of shit I've ever put my eyes on. And that's, that's a compliment. <laughs> it was so awful, it had, like, it had Nick Cannon, so, I mean, what else do you need to know? But, it was direct-to-video, Mina Savari was in it, and it just, the acting was bad, it didn't match the, the original at all, the zombies could run, the zombies could jump 30 feet in the air, mm-hmm. and, like, Ving Rhames was the only saving grace of the whole thing. But, he was in the Dawn of the Dead remake, and he wasn't the same character. Yeah, that was very confusing. I mean, he was... Because it was, like... I assume the same universe. Yeah. But yeah, he shaved off his goatee, so he was a different guy. <laughs> well, I mean, like, if I'm... I mean, his, his, his like personality was essentially the same, wasn't it? It was pretty close. Yeah. But so, I mean, he's Ving Rhames. He's, yeah, he's kind of one-dimensional. Right. <laughs> and then the worst part was they made Bub into a fucking vegan zombie. So he didn't eat people because he was vegan. Right. God, off. God damn it. <laughs> well, the same studio, Millennium, is deciding to remake it again. Mm. Um, which, you know, everyone is so happy about. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's gonna be any better. It sounds like it's gonna be directed video again. Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't think they have a, a snowball's chance in hell of getting us in a, in a theater. Let alone a wide release. Um, it's gonna be directed by, uh, Mark Tondray, or Tondray, maybe? Not sure how you pronounce it exactly, but uh, I believe one of like his most popular credit of, of recent um, is House at the End of the Street, which had Jennifer Lawrence and um, 
who else was there? Elizabeth Shue played her mom. Oh. There. Um, but that movie wasn't that good. It was boring. I couldn't even finish it. Right. Uh, I mean, it, just, it didn't feel like it was going anywhere. I mean, be about three quarters of the way through the movie and just say, okay, when does this movie start? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, I mean, you've got uh, Tondere or Tondurai, uh He's co-writing the script with a guy named Lars Jacobson, who actually doesn't seem to have any uh, major like studio film credits. Oh, that's a of. Yeah. I mean, you know, every screenwriter's got to get a start somewhere, but... My, my suggestion is don't get your start by fucking George Romero's work in the ass. <laughs> well, he's done it so well himself lately. Oh, good point. <laughs> But I don't know. Yeah, leave 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 that work to the professional. Um, uh, we got it's produced by um, Laddie, Laddie Grobman and Krista Campbell, who they they were responsible for Texas Chainsaw 3D, which that was a winner. Well, yeah, it was by no means the the best of the series, but I liked that it was a continuation of the original series and not the remake. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um. But it. Didn't really have a whole lot else going for it. Um, so. <laughs> Anyways, um, I don't know, it's, it's supposed to start production next year in the summer. Yeah. No, no release date yet, but I'm I not looking forward to it at all. Yeah, I mean, we really don't have any interest in this whatsoever, but felt we owed it to you guys. You know, those of you that might not have as, as civilized a taste as we do. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. You might want to look into it. We don't recommend it, though. Uh, moving on. Uh, in a previous episode, we talked to you about um, there being an, another Friday the 13th sequel. Um, a sequel to the remake. Which... I think we both agreed. We we both liked the remake. Yeah. Um, More than most remakes. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't... Especially the fact that it was Platinum Dunes and Marcus Nispel um, being involved. It actually turned out a decent piece of work. Um, Not to mention fucking Michael Bay. So, I guess the news is that Platinum Dunes has been confirmed. Like, e- even though it switched hands... Uh, the rights to Friday the 13th were in the hands of New Line Cinema. They sold the rights back to Paramount, who was the, the original uh, creators, or the original production studio of Friday the 13th. Sold the rights back to them. But, instead of learning from New Line Cinema's mistakes, they brought on Platinum Dunes again, and this has been confirmed. That Platinum Dunes is for sure involved, which means it's going to have Michael Bay in some, or to some extent. It's going to probably have Marcus Nispel again. And probably just going to repeat the same mistakes the original made. Um, which means it's going to be just critically panned again. I mean, we, we both liked the remake, but it seemed like the, the widespread opinion of it is that it sucked. Really? That's what I've I mean, from, gathered. from fans or from critics? From fans. Really? Yeah, I mean... I mean, it said that the, the, the kills were, like, uninspired. Um, 
the characters weren't likable. Which, do you ever really like a character in a Friday the 13th movie? I mean, except for maybe, like, Tommy Jarvis. Yeah. But, um, who's, you know, he's kind of the... It, it did kind of seem like they almost almost turned Jason into kind of an anti-hero, where, like, you wanted him to kill these people. Yeah. Which I well, can understand if that's, you know, if that was somebody's gripe. It could be, but, I mean, that with it's Jason. I mean, you're always rooting for him. Right, I mean, he's he's the icon. Yeah. The same with Freddy Krueger. I mean, he's a real son of a bitch, but you're always rooting for him. <laughs> um, But, anyway, so, the other news is that it might not be a remake. Or, I'm sorry, it might not be a, a sequel. It might be another reboot. I'm trying not to flip this table over right now. Yeah. Uh, why? 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 Yeah, and there's still the rumor floating around that it's going to be found footage. <laughs> it's just one disappointing thing after another. Was a lot, I mean, even though you said it was... Most people didn't like it. Were they like, oh, some people did like it? Well, let's fuck with it some more then. Yeah. It's like we have to eliminate everyone. Um, I, I don't I don't know. I, I just don't know what to think. <laughs> like, but it's, it's coming out in 2015 um, in, in March on Friday the 13th. Of course. I mean, the, that, the, original, or the, uh, the first movie came out on, I believe it was February 13th. It was, it was a Friday. Yeah. Um, and another thing is, this will be, if you include Freddy vs. Jason, this will be the 13th Jason, or, you know, 13th Friday the 13th movie, which is kind of cool. Neat. Yeah. <laughs> so? It's <laughs> an interesting little bit of trivia, I guess. I, yeah, whatever. So last episode we were talking about uh, Eli Roth's Thanksgiving, and you know how that was based out of the Grindhouse trailer, and you had mentioned "Don't," which was another one of the Grindhouse trailers, right? And uh, a couple days later, we read a bit of news that Edgar Wright, who directed the "Don't" trailer, mm-hmm. is working on a horror movie. Yeah. We don't know if it's don't. <laughs> More than likely, it's probably not. Probably not, but that would be cool. But still, we're me and you are both huge Edgar Wright fans. Absolutely, we love everything the man's done. You know, back going back to Space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Cornetto trilogy was all great. Scott Pilgrim was great. Yeah, I, I think one of the, f- I mean, among other things, you know, whether it be music or you know TV shows or or whatever, I think one of the. F- one of the first things that you and I kind of united on was Shaun of the Dead. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that kind of helped make us friends. Um, that is one of only two movies I can think of that I saw in theaters more than once. Oh, yeah? I saw it four times in theaters. You know, I, I don't think I saw it in a theater. Um, because at the time, I was kind of turned off by British comedy. Mm. Um, but 
Yeah, what I did see. That it. was my first thoughts when uh, my friend was telling me about it. He was told me, he told me it was British, and I was like, uh, I'm not really into that whole thing. But right, I right. saw it, and I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he is, Edgar Wright, he, he's writing, or he's co-writing it with uh, Mark Protasevich, who did Spike Lee, he, he wrote Spike Lee's Old Boy, which is currently in theaters right now. Uh, is currently just bombing and stinking up the box office. It didn't even make a million dollars on its opening weekend. And he also wrote I Am Legend, which was just awful. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, and, you know, I haven't seen Old Boy. I can only assume you haven't either. No. Um, but, I mean, it, it's a remake of a Korean movie. Right. Uh, and which just makes Spike Lee doing it such an odd thing. Like I would never expect him to. Yeah, it, it's it's like an like an action movie, and I just I never really pictured him as an action movie guy. Yeah. Um, but you know the, the failure of those movies might not be Protasevich's fault. I mean, maybe if you could just read the script and take you know Spike Lee and. Will uh, Will Smith out of the out of the mix? Racist. What? Racist. Fuck you. <laughs> Race. It's the fact that Spike Lee talks too much. He's just a whiner, and Will Smith sucks. He's a bad actor. I'm not arguing. I'm just yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully he can bring more success to this. Um, I mean, like, Shaun of the Dead obviously had horror elements. It was a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Um, even Hot Fuzz had some horror elements. World's End had horror elements. Yeah. But apparently this is not going to be a dark comedy or a horror comedy. It's going to be a, quote-unquote, scary horror movie. Yeah, just straight on, uh, yeah, just straight horror. I mean, no comedy elements, which will be diff. I, I imagine... It'll be difficult to actually watch the movie and not just be sitting waiting for a joke, <laughs> knowing that it's Edgar Wright. Right. Um, yeah, I'm really interested to see his take on horror. Definitely. I mean, and like, you know, you watch the trailer for Don't, and it's a little funny, whether or not in a film context, whether those things were intended to be funny. <laughs> Nick Frost is a giant man baby. Is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so it's looking like I mean there, there's not a whole lot of news on this yet, um, other than the fact that he intends to work on it. Um, we're looking at because he's he's working on Ant Man right now. Um, you know that's going to be the next kind of big Marvel movie in the next generation of Marvel movies, um, which I'm also very excited about. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it, it's kind of looking like 2016 might be like the earliest will. You know, maybe see this movie. Who knows? It'll probably be late next year before we even start hearing a lot of news about it. Um, but, you know, Edgar Wright, uh, you know, you say Edgar Wright and I'm sold. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I guess, you know, we'll keep you up to date on it as we hear more news, but that's all we know at this point. Yeah, I'm what they say I am. I'm a monster. I will kill all of you! Um, so, talked to you before about the sh- uh, show Dracula on NBC, um, 
which uh, I didn't have a lot to report on it uh, when I was talking about it before, but you know, I've I've been watching it consistently, and it's definitely not like the horror show that I would have wanted, but it's not all that bad. I mean, it, it's something that I'll I'll watch and I'll watch it regularly, but it's not something I'm going to sit down. You know, give up my Friday night to watch it. It's like I'll watch it the next morning on Hulu, but usually I'll always watch it. Um, I still haven't seen it. It's it's all right. Um, whether or not it'll make it to another season, I mean, it's it's NBC primetime, so obviously it's not going to be. You know, it's not going to have the gore of like Walking Dead. Sure, yeah, and even the whole vampire aspect of it is actually downplayed a little bit. I mean. Don't get me wrong, it, it comes into play a couple times each episode, but a lot of times you can be watching it and forget, oh, I mean, like, maybe you realize, oh yeah, this, this is Dracula. <laughs> um, not just some, you know, businessman out for revenge. Hmm. Um, but, no, it, it, it's pretty good, I, I think. Anyway, point is is that NBC is currently developing a new TV series um, based on uh, the movie Wolfman. And this is not necessarily the original from the 30s, or 40s, or 30s. Uh, the no. Bela Lugosi... Oh, no, not Bela Lugosi. Is uh, launching in June. Right. Um, Bela Lugosi was Dracula. Yes. So, uh, 30s, 40s, somewhere in there. I think 30s. Yeah. Anyway... Not necessarily based on that one. It's based actually on the remake of that that had Benicio del Toro. Oh, which I I don't know what difference it makes. It was pretty pretty much the same story. Yeah, um, and that that actually got pretty crit- critically panned. Right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I thought it was all right. I mean, it it is what it is. Had a lot of practical effects, which I love. Um, uh, Rick, I mean, that was uh, Rick Baker work. Rick Baker's good. Rick Baker, I mean, he's he's like the werewolf guy. Yeah. Um, God, he, how old is he? Rick Baker? Yeah. Oh, I'd say probably in his late 50s, early 60s somewhere. Yeah, he's getting up there. Um, but yeah, so they're currently developing the show. I mean, that's, that's kind of the word they're using is developing. Um, don't really know a whole lot about it as far as like casting or anything like that, but it's actually kind of the brainchild of uh, David Knopf who is actually kind of like the showrunner. Uh, I mean, he, he's a direct, uh, uh, director. I think he does a lot of screenwriter um, uh, writing, and I think he's an EP on Dracula. So hmm. I imagine it'll have a lot of the same feel to it. Yeah. Um, you know, probably not just a balls-out horror show. Um, it probably might have a little bit more of that kind of smooth, romantic feel to it like Dracula does. Right. Again, it's going to be NBC. So. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I like the Wolfman, so obviously I'll check it out. I mean, I, I like the character. Uh, and, you know, same with Dracula. I'll probably have to watch it a couple times before I'll be, you know, either sold or, you know, completely dissuaded from it. Um, but they're planning to plug it into their Friday night, uh, quote, supernatural block with... Um, with Grimm and Dracula, which Grimm is, I, I love that show. I mean, I actually we we just started watching it um, oh, before you came over. We, we watched the first two or three episodes, mm-hmm. um, and from what I've seen, it just 
I don't know, I wasn't that impressed. It just seemed like it was just kind of a crime drama that just happened to have monsters. Uh-huh. Um, I liked that, you know, they took the, the grim fairy tales and made them very dark and, like, you know, the, the, um, Big Bad Wolf was a wolf man and, like. Yeah. So I, I like that aspect of it, but it, I didn't get a lot of horror elements from it. I just, I just saw a crime drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, honestly, the first season of it, I think it, it's on season three now. Um, season one, comparatively, is a little slow. You gotta stick with it. Oh. Okay. Um, because in, like, season two, he starts, uh, kind of embracing his, pers- or, you know, his heritage as a grin. Like, I mean, he, he learns how to fight. So, you I mean, there's a lot of cool fight scenes in it. He learns how to use, you know, like, these ancient weapons, like, you know, battle axes and shit like oh, that. Nice. Um, so it gets a lot more entertaining right. as you watch it. I'll stick so, with it. Um, so yeah, it, it, that show's really cool. Um, I mean, and, NBC owns all the Universal Monsters. Yes. So I'm, you know, you kind of wonder, where's it going to end? Are they going to have a Frankenstein's Monster TV show coming up next? And <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I mean, a Creature from the Black Lagoon oh God. TV show. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I mean, this, this Friday Supernatural block, it's kind of spearheaded by Grimm. I imagine they're probably going to wedge Wolfman in the middle and then follow it up with Dracula. Yeah. You get people who like either or shows kind of stick with it. Yeah. By putting Wolfman in the middle. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that, that's an age old programming plot. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, they're very sneaky TV executives. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, like I said, not a whole lot of news based, or, sorry, uh, released about this yet, but um, just like anything else, it's a kind of a, a developing story, so we'll keep you posted on it. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Um, next little bit is there was a tweet sent out by Don Mancini, who is the director of the Child's Play movies, mm-hmm. and it said, To the fans who've asked questions about Alice and the end of Curse of Chucky... All will be answered in part seven. Right. So it sounds like there's going to be a child's play seven. At least in his own head. <laughs> well, yeah. He wants to do a part seven, at least. Yeah. Which was, I, I thought it was weird because I thought Curse of Chucky was supposed to be a reboot. Um, well, I, we're both kind of at a disadvantage here because neither of us have seen it. Uh, right. We have it on our list to watch, yeah. but we, that list grows every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're kind of out of the loop as far as that goes. Uh, like, we don't know who the hell Alice is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it, it's all a lot of speculation at this point because there's been really no word from uh, the studio. And I believe I think the studio is Universal. I, I believe you're right. Yeah. Um, they haven't said anything about it. Um, but it's safe to say that Don Mancini, he's at least planning on it. Yeah, if not, he could be writing it at this point. Yeah, and um, surprisingly, I mean, as bad as, uh, like, Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky were, um, this, like, Curse of Chucky actually got a lot of good reviews. Yeah, I've read a lot of very positive things. Yeah, from fans and critics alike. So that's pretty impressive as far as, I mean, you know, even the classics like Halloween 
and Friday the 13th and um, Nightmare on Elm Street, even those couldn't do that, you know? Yeah. But this is actually the only one where it's the original series rather than a remake. Well, like I said, I heard I thought Chris Chucky was supposed to be a, a reboot. Yeah, I think I think it might maybe refer to it as like maybe like a soft reboot. Um, but like you know, obviously this is something we we have to watch it to actually yeah. know what's going on. So, um, but yeah, like I said, Chris Chucky got really good reviews. So I think Universal would be kind of silly to not pursue this. Especially if he's already working on it. Yeah, makes sense to me. <clears throat> um, I mean, <laughs> especially when, you know, I, I think it's Universal that actually has I Frankenstein coming out pretty soon. Or, well, actually, I don't know if it's pretty soon. I forget when. But I don't imagine that being the blockbuster they want it to be. Yeah, I don't. So We it, talked about that on an old episode. I just, right. It doesn't look like something that I'm going to... You don't go out and see opening day. Right. So, I mean, assuming that is universal, assuming it doesn't do what they're hoping it's going to do, you know, falling back on series like Child's Play that actually works. That'd be, it would be a very smart, like, October release. Yes, definitely. Padre nuestro que estás en los cielos, santificado sea tu nombre. Vénganos en tu reino. Hágase, Señor, tu voluntad, así en la tierra como en el Nuestras deudas así como en el No dejes caer en tentación, mas líbranos de todo. Um, okay, so we had uh, told you about, I, this kind of was our first or second episode, um, talking about a new Paranormal Activity movie, um, which is actually, it's not in the same storyline as the originals, per se. Yeah, it's kind of a, uh, almost like a spinoff. Yeah, I mean, there's ref- it looks like there's references to the originals, but this is Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones, which is actually originally titled... Uh, the Oxnard Tapes, because it takes place in Oxnard, California, um, as opposed to being based, you know, in a, in a kind of a quiet suburb, you know, a predominantly white area. This is going to be based in a kind of uh, rundown, um, mostly Latino neighborhood. Um, seems, it looks like it's going to have, like, a lot of uh, demon demonology and, um, you know, a lot of uh, Catholic references yeah. in it. So it looks like what they're planning to do is uh, doing a lot of advanced screenings um, on December 13th, which is actually a Friday 13th. Hey. I don't know how that one's... I mean, Friday 13th is obviously next Friday. Or, you know, when you're listening to it to this, it'll be two days later. The day after tomorrow. Right. Um, I don't know how that one slipped past me. I usually keep it pretty close eye on Friday 13th. Anyway, so it's going to be... The advanced screenings are going to be... On December 13th in 13 different cities. Hey, there's that number again. <laughs> um, it's going to be in Chicago, Illinois, Dallas, Texas, Houston, Texas, L.A., Miami, New York, Orlando, Philadelphia, Phoenix, San Antonio, San Diego, San Francisco, and Toronto. <laughs> no Seattle. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at it. I was pretty disappointed. But anyway, so what they're planning to do is... Uh, I, th- I think 
if I understand right, it's it's a Twitter-based scavenger hunt. Um, and I believe what, the, what they're doing is, like, you have to follow these clues, and the clues will eventually re- reveal the location of the screening. If it's Twitter-based, though, like, how does that work? Like, do you go to a specific location, and then what happens from there? I'm not entirely sure. It's, it, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't really figure out, like, the real fine Because the description says, hit the streets and use the clues. Right, right. And, I mean, on the website, which is, it's paranormalmovie.com. Um, if you take a look at it, it's got different, looks like pages for the different cities. And it has a picture of different buildings. And I imagine these might be your start points. Um, yeah, it looks like it gives you directions if you, like, mouse over the location. Right. And I assume these are your clues from these areas. Um, so, it looks like this is kind of a cool viral marketing campaign. Um, kind of, I, I think will probably prompt a lot of interest in it, especially from the people that like doing, like, scavenger hunts or, you know, people that do, like, uh, like geocaching, things like that. Um, I, I imagine this will be of interest to them. Um, like I said, this is, you know, it's not in Seattle where we're based, so uh, we'll, we'll have to skip this. But uh might really encourage you guys, if, if you live in one of the cities we mentioned, to, to go maybe check it out if you're looking for, uh, you know, something to do during the day. Uh, maybe check out the website and see where you got to go to see an, uh, an early release of this. Yeah, it could be fun. Okay, that's all the news we got. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, make it sound like it's not a lot. But <laughs> moving on to reviews. Uh, our first review is going to be the one that I picked. It's a brand new movie, just came out in November of 2013, called Contracted. Look at you. Single girl tonight. Come on, chat. Are you trying to get me drunk? Yes. Might as well look elsewhere, my friend. She is no longer interested in what our kind have to offer. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Are you smiling on me? I thought you looked interesting. Here's your drink. Did I have a drink? You should stop, please. <laughs> Slept in pretty late this morning. You feeling okay? Don't even start with that. I ask because I care. What seems to be the problem? Something's wrong. Are you sexually active? Are you using protection? Your hair. Whatever's happening to me is getting worse. Do not come into contact with anyone until we can determine what it is we're dealing with. Fine! 
So Contracted is from writer-director Eric England. It's about a girl named Samantha who, she's a lesbian, and she is fighting with her girlfriend. So she goes to this party and winds up getting totally wasted and starts talking to this guy. And uh, he, you know, he's, they, they never show his face. Right. But he's, like, stereotypical creeper guy. Mm-hmm. Like, they show him, you know, watching her a couple times, and then he finally comes up to talk to her, hands her a red Solo cup, and says, here was your drink. Which, you know, just immediately should trigger Rufy Colada. Well, she was pretty hammered, and she said, did I have a drink? She's like, well, I think it was yours. I think I saw you holding it. Um, yeah, of course, he knows no one at the party. Of course. He's there with his friend BJ, who no one knows. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one thing leads to another. They end up banging in the back seat of his car. Right. And, you know, she's obviously, she, she, I don't think she's at the point where she's not sure what she's doing. I mean, she is telling him to stop, you know, we shouldn't do this. And right. Things of that nature. Um, but so, she's, she's telling him to stop amidst throes of passion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's when rape's okay. <laughs> well, I'm not justifying rape. Come on now. <laughs> I'm just saying. She's like, uh, uh, stop, uh, uh. It's like, she's not fighting him. She's not kicking him off. <laughs> um, yeah. So, anyways, she wakes up the next morning. She's hungover. She's freezing. She's got really bad cramps, or so she thinks. Basically, she just feels like shit. Mm-hmm. So she goes to her girlfriend that she's fighting with. Her name is Nikki, and Nikki is like the stereotypical bad girl. Yeah, and she's, she's also got a lip ring and nose ring. She's got tattoos that are horrible and spaced out poorly, <laughs> and they're probably the actress's real tattoos. So I'm going to feel like an asshole now, but. <laughs> uh, and she's she is like, like you said, she's a stereotypical bad girl, but she's also a stereotypical, just ball busting, man hating lesbian. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a certain point where they're sitting in a restaurant together, and some guy comes up and says, do I know you from somewhere? It sounded pretty innocuous to me. Like, yeah. It didn't sound like he was hitting on her. Right. Then this, this is Sam he's talking to, and Nikki butts in and says, she's not interested. Yeah, she's, she, she doesn't like you. You don't have the right equipment or something like that. Right, and then when he walks away, she's fucking men. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> um... Yeah, and then so day two, she wakes up, and she's bleeding from her vagina. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see her veins through her skin in a couple parts of her body, like on her hip. Um, and it's 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 pretty gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and she showers, and you can see like blood clots falling down her leg. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And like, um, at one point, she, you can see on her arm what I initially thought were cutter scars. I thought she was a cutter. They weren't? I I don't think so. I I think they were track marks. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I guess. Because there was never any kind of explanation about her being a cutter. 
Sure, yeah. But they do mention later that she was a, a drug addict. Yeah, and, you know, a lot through a lot of the movie, well, I don't know, probably about, like, the first quarter to a half of the movie, there's there's this tension between Sam and a few of the characters, especially, especially her mom. Especially her mom, yeah. Um, Which, at first, I just thought was because she was a lesbian. Right. Which, it did seem like that was a bit of it. But also, I mean, she obviously she, had... She, she wasn't, like... She, this, this was a fairly recent discovery for her that she was a lesbian. She had been right. into men until, she said, a couple months ago. Right, right, right. Um, and it did kind of seem to me that Sam, she was more, not necessarily a lesbian, but like more experimenting. Yeah. But, Maybe lipstick, lipstick lesbian a little bit. Yeah. Um, but she obviously had this history that was creating a lot of tension between her and the other characters. But through, like I said, about the first quarter, maybe first half of the movie, it was very vague. Like, it didn't really actually explain why why, why she was fighting with her mom so much. Like, what caused that? Um, and like you said, like, it, it kind of speculated maybe it was because she was a lesbian. But you kind of slowly do discover that she's actually a drug addict. Yeah. Or, you know, recovering. Um, and it also never really, well, it, not, not that it doesn't, but it kind of is... When you do figure out that she's a drug addict, it doesn't really say kind of what her her drug choice was, mm-hmm. like what her thing was. I think you kind of slowly figure out that it's actually cocaine. Um, looks like she maybe done a little bit of heroin at yeah. one point. Um, yeah, um, and then like she goes to work and her her senses are all thrown off. Mm-hmm. Um, like even before she goes to work, because she asks her mom, she says, "What are you cooking?" Her mom's like, "I'm not cooking anything." Mm-hmm. So she, you know, for some reason, smelled something burning or well, something she, cooking. She had. Uh, burned her hand on the coffee pot oh so i wonder if she smelled her hand cooking yeah <laughs> i did not pick up on that but yeah then like she's at work and uh she like she goes on her lunch break and she she's eating a salad and for whatever reason it tastes really really bad mm-hmm. and uh she starts hearing ringing in her ears i can relate to that <laughs> so then she she runs into the bathroom and she goes to the bathroom and then she stands up and the toilet is just filled with blood yeah, and it's this really dark, almost black blood too. It's really, it is really dense, and it was just icky. Yeah, and she wakes up that morning, and the next morning, in a, like a pool of blood, assuming coming from her from her vagina again. Yeah, um, which I mean, this this movie, I mean, we try to stay away from talking about the movie before we record the show, but. One thing we did both mention is that we had to, like, I mean, we were having our stomachs turn, turning at a couple points. Yeah. Like, I know there were a couple points where I had to actually look away because it was grossing me out so much. Her her friend who was holding the party that she was at, where she met the guy, tells her that the cops are looking for this guy named Brett Jaffe, mm-hmm. or who goes by his nickname, BJ. Right. And nobody really knows why. Mm-hmm. Like the cops wouldn't tell her why they're looking for him, just said that, you know, they're looking for him and it's very important. Um, so that, that's kind of, you know, out there in the background. Um, and Sam goes to the doctor. Doctor tells her, you know, your heart rate is very slow. Do you have a history of heart conditions in mm-hmm. your family? And she says no. So he tells her, you know, you have uh, a head cold and a rash. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of an inner ear infection, but. No big deal. Yeah, that was like no rash I'd ever seen before. Uh, 
like you said, she has a lot of, like a lot of veining, mm-hmm. and the whole infection or whatever it is, it obviously seems to be coming from her crotch, right, where it obviously originated. <laughs> and the worst part is that, that night she's like getting dressed or whatever, and a fucking maggot falls out of her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that part was so nasty. And then, like, she's brushing her teeth, and her teeth start falling out. Mm-hmm. That's one of the points where I had to look away. Yeah. And she's, like, vomiting blood constantly. And then that night, she starts having nightmares. Mm-hmm. And she's just, like, wakes up in a cold sweat, gets up, vomits more blood. Yeah. Just, just heinous, heinous visuals. Yeah. <laughs> and then day three, like you said, she wakes up, and she's just... So much blood all over her bed. Mm-hmm. Um, she's pale. Both her eyes are just bright red. Yeah. Well, like it seemed like one one was like clouded over, and then one yeah was. Well, in the, in the beginning they like it seemed like they were both bright red, and then one kind of cleared up, and one was just bright red. But then yeah, later one kind of glazed over and just kind of went all white. Right. Right. And then one just looked like someone poked her in the eye or something. Yeah. It was like the whole pupil and retina and every part of the inner eye was just red. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she goes to take a shower and she says, Mom, why don't we have any hot water? And I was like, what are you talking about? There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with the water heater. And she touches the water and it's scalding. Mm-hmm. And like Sam's just holding her hand at her and her skin just starts bubbling. Yeah. She just can't even feel it. Which I'd like to mention... That is impossible. Normal household tap water does not get that hot. <laughs> it doesn't happen. <laughs> it's a movie, man. <laughs> but then, like, her hair starts falling off. So, of course, Mom thinks she's on drugs. Sure. This is where you first kind of find out that she was really yeah. big into drugs, and that's where most of the tension from her mom came from. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she goes to work, and she peels her... Fucking fingernail. (laughs) That was the part that really got me. Yeah. I was just like, oh, God. I I mean, I'm a horror fan through and through. There are very few things that make me cringe and make me sick to my stomach. I cannot do fingernails. Yeah. Anything involving fingernails. Fingernails and toenails. (laughs) (laughs) If that's not bad enough, is one of the people... In her section where she's waitressing, finds the fingernail in their salad. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> she's back in the kitchen. She hears this, just this blood curdling scream, which I thought was a bit of an overreaction. But <laughs> I mean, it is an entire fingernail. Thing, yeah, but still, it's not like a clipping. It's yeah, um, yeah. God, so awful. Um, so she goes back to the doctor. Doctor says, well, you have an STD. Yeah. That's what he says. Doesn't say, you have gonorrhea. Yeah. You have herpes. It's just, you have an STD. Yeah, he, he says, uh, you know, I, I don't, I won't know what it is until I get tests back, but it's my recommendation that you don't come into contact with, with anyone. anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just go home and fucking quarantine yourself. Yeah. So she, she goes home and her mom has a doctor there and they want to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And did, did you realize who was playing the doctor? Dave Holmes. Dave Holmes. 
Yeah. Want to be an MTV VJ, Dave Holmes. <laughs> so that's what he's up to these days. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just Sam just looks like death at this death, point. Yeah. Her face is like completely pale. Her teeth are black. Mm-hmm. Her hair is just falling out and turning white. Her eyes are just fucked up beyond belief. Um. No, she she's rotting. Yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. But but she's still alive. Yeah, she's still cognate. I mean, like as far as like her her uh, mental state, um, even even her like ability to move doesn't seem to be impaired all that much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, by by all uh, points, she's she's rotting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean it's. I don't think we want to reveal the ending at all, so maybe we should stop there. Um. Well, I mean, the very ending is obvious. I think we can talk about that. Like you, you very ending. Yeah. Okay. You don't think it, it's obvious? Well, not necessarily obvious. I just thought it might be a little bit of a spoiler, but. All right, we can stop there then. <laughs> I just I, I I saw the ending coming. Um, I guess I did to an extent. Um, not, maybe not the delivery of it, but I think. Well, that, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Okay, well, well, we'll stop since there might be some people who won't see it coming, so. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, so at the beginning of the movie, um, first thing we see is we find out is this BJ character. I mean, it's kind of a cold start. It jumps right into the movie in a morgue. Um, and what you see is like the, this, the foot of a corpse. I mean, it's got the toe tag on it and it's kind of moving back and forth. Mm-hmm. And you hear like this kind of like rustling, just this um, rhythmical rust, uh, rustling or, you know, Whatever. And then you see the body get pushed back into the cooler. Uh, somebody washing something out. Couldn't really tell what it was. But it kind of leads you to, I mean, just through the progression of the movie, you find out, like I said, this is actually BJ. It's like, was he banging this dead chick? I don't know. I, that's kind of the impression that I got. I had to watch a couple times. Um, I think that would that would make sense. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it long seems like a good way to contract the horrible virus, right? But he he seemed like you said you, you never really you never see his face uh, in every shot that he's in. He's always kind of in the back and he's out of focus, mm-hmm. and you can tell that he's you know probably this average sized guy. Looks like he's got some short kind of reddish hair. That's really all. I mean, you know, white guy. That that's really all you can tell about him. Yeah. Um, so, you, you don't know anything about him. Uh, I don't think they ever actually explain who he is aside from his name. Yeah. Um, which is, was Brad, Brett Jaffe, was that his name? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, obviously later in the movie, he shows up at this party and, and rapes Sam and spreads 
something to her, you have to assume he got from this corpse mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, and I, I, I wonder what happened to him. Yeah, like if this happened to her over three days, like where is he? And you know, later in the movie, kind of almost near the end, she does, well, kind of speculated, she does actually encounter him again. She thinks so, yeah. She's also drunk and high on heroin at the time. Right. Yeah, she's pretty fucked up, but she's sitting actually in the bar she's, she works at, drinking. Um, and then, out of the corner of her eye, I don't know, maybe she recognizes his voice or something, but he's with another girl. And they take off, and she tries to follow him, but when, when she gets outside, he's, he's gone already. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you I know, can't imagine if he looks anything like, like she did. I can't imagine a girl would want to go home with him. Right. <laughs> yeah, so obviously it's not affecting him much. Um, but so I don't know if he's like a carrier or... It, I almost wonder because, you know, like something like, like HPV, men don't show symptoms like almost ever. Right. But women obviously do. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, men are the carriers of it. Typically, yeah, and and women actually contract the actual. Maybe maybe it's something similar to that. Yeah, it could be, um, and you know, I think essentially this was a a zombie movie. Yeah, for all intents and purposes. Um, and I just got a comment on like the way that uh, the the guy that directed and wrote it, uh, Eric England, he the. The delivery method of a zombie virus being sex, I thought that was pretty brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that's something we've never seen before. Yeah, and, and just the way that it spreads. I mean, the way that it, it it actually infects your body and makes you almost this, this living zombie, essentially, uh, in that you're still alive, but your body's decomposing yeah. around you. Um so I thought that was pretty genius. Uh, like I said, never, never, had never seen that before. Um, in reading about this, I actually read about a movie called, uh, Than- let's see if I can say this correctly, Thanatomorphos, which actually a lot of, uh, like critics compare this movie to it, just in that, I think in that movie, a girl contracts some kind of disease and her body starts to rot and decompose around her. But it sounds like it doesn't have the same net result. So it's different in that respect. Uh, obviously, I haven't seen that movie yet. But um, I liked how the movie uh, was presented in a day-by-day yeah. progression. Like it, it just it did a very good job of showing you know, the progression of how, how much worse she got mm-hmm. each day. Yeah, I mean, if if they hadn't done it that way, you could easily think this is taking place over a week or two. Yeah. Um, Obviously, this virus or disease or whatever it is has a three-day incubation period. Right. Um, and it is... Like you had mentioned, she had gone to the doctor, and the doctor looked at it, and looked at this sick, like, all this veining, and this just obvious kind of decomposing... Around her crotch area, and so it's a rash. Like, yeah, that does not look like any rash. I would I've ever go seen. to a different doctor. Yeah, this guy obviously has no idea what he's talking about. Also, he clearly noticed the marks on her arm mm-hmm. and said nothing. Well, he he, he glanced at him and 
But isn't it like a Hippocratic oath that you're supposed to do something if you see somebody like that? Um, like alert someone. Oh no, I mean that that's doctor-patient privilege. Or, yeah. So, um, one thing that was interesting was she was like a like a botanist. She grew these flowers, and she um, was trying to enter this floral competition. Mm-hmm. And she takes the flower to the competition, and by the time she gets there, the flower is dead. Which was interesting, because I don't really know, like, was it from her touching it? Did she kill the plant, or was it just mishandled? That's a good question. I had well, I had noticed that it was dead, but was it alive when she left her I'm house? I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I hadn't actually taken that in, into thought. Um, you know, something that I thought was kind of strange throughout the entire movie is that people really, I mean, they acknowledged that there's something wrong with her, but didn't really acknowledge that it looked like she was a walking corpse. Yeah, they, everyone just told her, you know, you look very sick. Yeah, especially this one guy, uh, Riley, who... He kind of seems like he lusts after Sam a little bit. Yeah. Um, and eventually, like, at one point, they're, they're actually starting to have sex. And it's like, I'm just sitting there. Yeah. That scene is so bad. <laughs> it's so disgusting. Yeah. Uh, He's just like, oh, it's tingly. And I'm like, it's tingly? Really? <laughs> and it turns out, oh, because her fucking cooch is full of maggots. Yeah. He pulls out and they fall. Like he, he he's saying, "There's something moving in there," which I already knew that was going to be bad news right there. <laughs> uh, and he pulls out and was it just maggots or the maggots and blood? Maggots and blood, yeah, yeah, fall out onto the ground and obviously he loses his shit. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but point is, is like at this point she's. She's the worst that she's been in the movie. This, I mean, this is later in the movie, and she looks awful. I mean, yeah, she even like she puts on makeup and does her hair and like tries to get all dolled up, but still, like her eyes are fucked up. She's still veiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, her teeth are still all jacked up, and she like tries to do her best to hide her face the whole time. Yeah, and uh, through one or two, or in one or two points during the movie, people actually say you stink. Oh yeah. And so she is she is actually rotting and she smells like a dead you know, like like a corpse. Um and so I don't know if this guy just had his sex nose on or something <laughs> <laughs> or his sex eyes. Uh but yeah, he he he, he jumped into it. I mean she kinda leaned into him and started making out with him and he Stood up, started taking off his clothes. He was all for it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't think that there's anyone that I'd want to have sex with that bad. Because <laughs> he just did not acknowledge the fact that she was fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I'm wondering, like, could, why, why did she instigate that in the first place? I, the only I, thing I can think is that she was trying this. She thought maybe she could pass on the disease. That, like, if, if she gave it to someone else, it would believe her. Maybe, I, I think. But I really have no idea why she... Because she, like, didn't like Riley the whole movie. No, she was a total bitch to him. She actually, at one point, said, you know, st- stay away from me, basically. Yeah. Um, she threatened to, like, 
get a restraining order against him. Right. And he always seemed like a nice guy. I mean, maybe a little, a little weird, but seemed like he was a nice guy. Not one that you'd want to, like, well, why threaten him with a restraining order? To say, you need to leave me alone. Go away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's overall. Unless she just fucking hated him that much. It's yeah. like, you know what? Fuck Riley. I'm going to fucking give him my cooch maggots. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's like with her, her girlfriend, Nikki, the way that they interact with each other and the way that they talk about, you know, mainly Sam talks about their relationship with other people, it's really hard to get a grip on whether or not they're actually together. Yeah. So Because, like, even in my notes, I have, you know, X question mark in parentheses in front of girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems like they were still together, but they, like, they used to be living together, and Nikki kicked her out. Yeah, something like, because, I mean, Sam is living with her mom, and... Uh, I mean, it's very clear that she does not want to be there mm-hmm. and that her mom almost treats it like a little bit of an imposition. Yeah. Um, but but when, when they're talking about being together, they don't say, like, get back together. Yeah. Uh, at, at one point, uh, Sam brings Nikki, like, a bottle of wine saying it's, like, their 10-month anniversary. Yeah. And rather than saying, you know, oh, we're not together anymore. Nikki just says, well, it's kind of a weird anniversary, isn't it? Yeah. That's what gave me the person they were still together, just not living together. And yeah. Definitely having some kind of quarrel. Yeah, it was kind of falling out or something. Um, she, Sam, like, like you said, it's essentially a zombie movie, and she, she does have some kind of like zombie-like actions even before she ever turns into a zombie. Mm-hmm. Like while she's still alive, she um, like she she rips somebody's throat out. Uh, Alice, who was throwing a party, when she went to her house, she ended up biting her throat. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, and it when when she's having sex with Riley, it there are a couple points where you think, oh, oh God, she's gonna bite his neck. Yeah, she's gonna rip his rip his throat out. Um, I, th- I think we've spoiled the end of the movie. Hmm? I think we've spoiled the end of the movie. Well, I said it's a zombie movie. Oh yeah, that was the point. I was, that's the thing I was gonna say, but you said, "Oh, well, go ahead then." <laughs> end of the movie, she turns into a zombie, guys. <laughs> uh yeah. It's, I mean, it, it is it is a zombie movie. Which um, okay, now that that's out there. I want to bring up that I I like the way that when she turns into a zombie, her mother comes out and is like, you know, Sam, it's me, it's your mom, and Sam attacks her. I think what's missing from a lot of zombie lore these days, like both Walking Dead and zombie movies, is there's not that sense of, these are people you know. Mm-hmm. It's just, they're just faceless monsters. Yeah. I think there needs to be more, like, because that's, that's what makes zombies so hard to kill, is that you're still emotionally attached to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's uh, like the most powerful scene in Shaun of the Dead, when Barbara comes back to life, or, you know, comes back as a zombie. Yeah. And and Shaun is, you know, pointing the gun at her, and he can't do it. He can't pull the trigger, because that's his mom. Right, right. Um, and... 
you know, at a certain point when she's, when her mom's calling to her and she looks at her, there's, there's that kind of lull where we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, you know, it's almost kind of like a sensation of floating where you just, you don't know what's going to happen next. It could go one of two ways, you know? Yeah. I don't know about you, but when when she woke up and she was the zombie, I I geeked out a little bit. Yeah, because like she, the the actress did did it really well. She did. She, she played a good zombie. Um, like she got up and she was you know doing the, the dry mouth moaning and and you know then she got out got out of her car and she just kind of shambled and I was just like yes yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. It, it's really cool. I mean, this, the interesting spin that was put on zombies in this movie was just really cool. And like I said before, just the delivery method of the virus being essentially a sexually transmitted disease um, was really just brilliant. Um, and uh, and we thought there was nothing left to do with the zombie genre. <laughs> I guess even uh, people like us can be surprised sometimes. So, while while this isn't necessarily your stereotypical horror movie, there's there's not a lot of violence in it. I was going to say there's not a lot of blood and guts, but there's a lot of blood. (laughs) Yeah, but it's not violent blood, it's just disgusting blood. (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely some gross-out moments. Um, At one point she vomits blood right in someone's mouth. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you know, yeah, that one, noise. One point, she uh, sits down to pee, and she, she like she's peeing, and you can you can hear it, you can hear like the the, the tinkle. <laughs> um, but then it suddenly sounds like it's she's not like pouring water into the bowl. It sounds more like she's pouring like syrup into the bowl, <laughs> and she's. You know, gets a look on her face and stands up, and the entire bowl is covered in blood. Yeah. So you have to assume that her cooch was just spitting blood. <laughs> yeah, she just, like, her insides fell out. Yeah. But anyway. So, yeah, um, it's it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you put yourself in that situation, and, yeah, it's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um. So, if you were going to give it a rating, what would you give it? Um, like I said before, uh, you know, a couple times now, the the the, the method in which it, in which this was done was just intensely creative, and um, us, you know, us both being zombie fans, I think we're constantly looking for something that we haven't seen before, and since that becomes less and less likely with every zombie movie we see. Um, it, it's really cool and, and refreshing to see something like this where it's it's so different and not presented in uh, kind of the typical way. Um, aside from that, I mean, the the, the way it was shot was, was excellent. Um, I think the direction was excellent. The actors were really good, I mm-hmm. thought. Um, seemed like it was kind of a low-budget movie or, you know, lower-budget movie. Um, so the fact that all those pieces came together on such a small movie, I thought was awesome. So that being said, I think I'm 
probably going to rate this movie at an 8. As, as I was watching it, like ever since we started doing this podcast, when I watch movies, I as the movie goes on, I'm constantly cycling through my head, like, well, I could give it, and then go up to a 6, and then go back down to a 5. And so as I'm watching this, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm thinking maybe between a 7 and an 8. So I'm like, why don't I just go in between and go 7.5? Then I started thinking, like, what is stopping me from giving it an 8? Mm-hmm. Like, why would I go back down to 7 or go even 7.5? And, and I couldn't think of anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the same thing. I'm going to say 8. Cool. Yeah, definitely um, definitely worth a watch. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed it. And uh, when, like, I, when I first watched the trailer, I was like, this one. We're watching this. <laughs> and it did not disappoint. No, absolutely not. It was, it was really good. So everyone involved, well done. Golf clap. Uh, so yeah, again, that's contracted to thir- 2013, uh, written and directed by Eric England. It's available to rent on iTunes and Google Play. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, as far as we can tell, it's not out on like DVD or it's not on Netflix or anything. You can only get it online. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next up, we're going to do the movie that I chose, which is a little movie from 2009 called The Revenant. Heroes fall, and sometimes they rise again. What's me, Bart? You're supposed to be dead. So I get out of here! Dude, that's, that's my rug? You're a revenant. A revenant? He will need to drink human blood. If he doesn't, his soul will be in eternal I just want some blood. Okay. What type? Just give me some blood, lady, or I'll give you a bullet sandwich. I feel like I've been given a second chance. Put your hands on your head. Anybody move, I'll shoot. Dude, you got shot a lot. Convenient mart owner claims that the gunslinger saved his life. It's Lanny Gunslinger. You make me a vampire, right? I mean, like, I'll drink your blood or... You drink my blood, you know, whatever we have to do to give me the dark gift. The dark gift. Now? Oh. Oh. I like vampire superheroes. Protect the innocent. How cool is that? The vigilante gunslinger saved the day again. We're the worst friends! Suck your best friend's blood? Not like that. The Revenant. Dig in. I don't have much of an appetite. I make it special for you, and, and now what? I don't have feelings? <laughs> That is so wrong. This is a movie, um, like I said, from 2009. It's written and directed by Carrie Pryor. Um, basically, so the premise of the movie is, um, the main character in this movie is a guy named Bart, and he's actually a, a lieutenant in the, in the U.S. Army, and he's, in the beginning of the movie, he's actually in Iraq. And 
<laughs> when I started watching this movie, I didn't actually realize it was from 2009. So I'm like, we don't really have like, active <laughs> soldiers in Iraq anymore. So, uh, but yeah, so it is 2009. So it's kind of like almost like the middle of the Iraq War. Um, or no, probably closer to the tail end. But anyway, um, mission accomplished. Yay. <laughs> um, so he's in Iraq and he's actually, uh, it looks like he may be making some kind of delivery, um, in, in a truck. He's, he's got two other soldiers with him and, um, they're driving along the desert and it sounds like their orders are to just drive and not stop for anything. Just keep driving. And they're f- flying down, you know, call it a road, but it's basically just a path in the desert. Um, and there is, he, while, while Bart's driving, he spots a kid in the middle of the road, like a little, like, toddler. And so he stops and starts to get out and... Well, he hits it. Does he hit it? Yeah. That's why he stops, because he gets out to check on it. Oh, right, right, Okay. Thank you. Yeah, so he, okay, he does hit the kid. He stops, and he said, I got to check on it. And one of the other soldiers in, in the truck with him saying, no, that's against orders. We are here to complete a mission. We do not stop for anything. That's, that's our orders. And so he says, I have to check. Because it's a kid. Yeah, because it's a little kid. So he gets out, he's trying to find the kid, and the the dickhead soldier in the truck, you know, they've got floodlights on their truck, um, and the, the, the guy that's telling him not to get out tells the other soldier to switch off all the floodlights. So he's, uh, Bart's out there trying to find the kid, um, and the lights go off, and it's pitch black. So he pulls down his night vision goggles. And standing in front of him are about half a dozen insurgents, and they light him up. First bullet obviously goes in his head, so he just drops to the ground. <clears throat> and then his, the weird thing was, instead of just leaving him there, his body gets dragged out of frame. Yeah. So they obviously wanted him for something. Yeah. Um, they, they never really explain that, mm-hmm. what they did with him, but... Um, you don't actually know the time lapse here at first, but we continue on at his funeral. All his friends and family, his girlfriend, um, they're all there, you know, mourning his death. And his best friend, Joey, seems like he's taking it particularly hard. Um, he's just kind of standing there, just dazed. Um, and his girlfriend, Janet, obviously taking it very hard. Um, so they have the funeral and later on at the wake, every, after everybody's leaving, it's just Joey and Janet left there and they start talking about how much they miss Bart and, uh, how hard things are going to be without him. And they actually start kissing and I'm just sitting there just like, oh, you asshole. <laughs> um, uh, so, continuing from there, the, it, it's really weird because it shows in the cemetery, they've lowered him down into his grave, 
and they've got the big cement slab. Yeah, the slab that they're supposed to lay down over his kind of vault. Mm -hmm. I mean, that a lot of places do that, especially places that have a habit of flooding that secure the bodies in a cement. Or places that are scared of zombies. Sure. <laughs> um, so they've got the slab lifted up on a on a, a backhoe. It looks like they're about to put it over his grave, but then they just stop. The the, uh, the backhoe was out of gas. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, you can hear the guys talking. Oh, okay. I guess I missed that part. I didn't. I didn't hear their. I heard, I heard them talking, but it just sounded like kind of muttering, like you weren't supposed to actually hear what they were talking about. Oh yeah, one guy's like, "It's out of gas," and because like, "How could you be so stupid not to put gas in it?" <laughs> okay, well that makes a little more sense. Then. <laughs> anyway, so again, you don't know how much time lapses again, but he wakes. Uh, Bart wakes up in his casket, busts his way out. So he gets out of his grave and he he busts into um, kind of looks like the mortuary. Mm-hmm. at the graveyard or the cemetery and kind of inspects himself because he obviously doesn't know what's going on. He flips on a light in front of a mirror and he sees that he has pretty severely decomposed. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he digs the, the coroner's wax or the mortician's wax out of his bullet hole in his head and his eyes are completely glazed over. And his mouth is sewn shut. Yeah. And... Uh, so he cuts his mouth, he finds a pair of scissors, cuts his mouth open, and is just kind of standing there freaking out a little bit. And so, when somebody's having a problem, where do you go other than to see your best friend? Of course. <laughs> um, Not to your girlfriends, that would be no. Um So he shows up at his best friend's apartment, and it, his friend, his name is Joey, and he... He starts pounding on the door. He says, Joey, open up. It's Bart. He's like, very fucking funny. <laughs> and so he actually does end up opening the door. I love how he opens the door with the chain and he just looks at him and goes, fuck! What the fuck? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> and he opens the, slams the door shut. Yeah. And he opens back up with a, with a bat in hand. He says, what's going on, man? You're supposed to be dead. <laughs> And he says, yeah, I kind of gathered that. Um, so he lets him in eventually. And this is, this is kind of a horror comedy. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I guess maybe I should have said that to begin with. It, it is it is essentially a buddy comedy. Yeah. Because um, uh, Joey does play a pretty crucial role in the story. Um, and anyway, so he lets him inside and... Uh, you know, they're just trying to kind of come to terms with everything. And <laughs> Bart, he starts to kind of cringe and, like, lean over a little bit. And he's actually, he's feeling really sick. And so this is actually when you find out how long Bart's been gone. He's They, they say that he's been gone, for, he's been dead for about a month. And he's actually been buried for, I think they said, like, three days. Um, so because he's just... Keep, like starting to keel over a little bit and he's just in this real pain uh, Joey decides hey you know what you've been gone for a month you're probably hungry makes sense yeah so he 
uh, you know, gives him a little pull off a, of a bottle of vodka or, or something, some kind of booze, and uh, gives him this just old pizza. Like, you want me to heat it up? <laughs> no, it's fine. Just bring it to me. So he takes a bite of this pizza, and that just pains him even more. And he collapses on the floor and just starts vomiting this gross, viscous, chunky, black grossness. Yeah, just this, oh, God, this this thick tar-like, like you said, like chunky-looking shit. And there's so much of it. Oh, yeah, more than any human body could possibly have. Yeah, it's like you, you unless he's... Well, He's literally puking his guts out. Yeah, I mean that that must be what it is, because uh, there's just there's just so much of it, and um, he Joey's like, really? That's my carpet. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's concerned about. Uh, and so, uh, so he basically, or Joey says, okay, you got to see a doctor. We got to figure out what's going on. Like, okay, your buddy's dead, <laughs> but, you know, what the hell, take him to the doctor. So they take him to the ER. <laughs> I, I love that he's filling out um, his patient form, where he has his information, and his well, symptoms. <laughs> he writes, general malaise. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's his biggest problem. <laughs> um, so he goes into the ER, and the, the, he's speaking with the doctor, and this scene reminded me a lot of Death Becomes Her. When, Why? well, just the way the doctor's reacting, like trying to come up with some logical yeah, explanation. Oh, yeah. Check in, but she's obviously scared to death. Um, and like, I like the doctor asked him if he has any STDs. So I was like, oh, there's a theme. <laughs> um, and so she comes to, I don't know, check his eyes or something. And like his eyes are just completely glazed over, like we said. Um, and as she's leaning into him, he's like, I'm kind of decomposing. <laughs> <laughs> so she just freaks out and go back out in the waiting room and Joey's sitting there and suddenly hear this alarm go off and like the doctor's calling the police. And so he busts into the room and just gets barred out of there. Um, and so they go back to the apartment and... As they're coming in, Bart just collapses on the floor. Like he just has, like he's like he's in absolute pain and just keels over. He's dead on the floor again. Um, yeah, he basically dies every time the sun comes up. Right. And he, he finally find, kind of come to that realization. And while he's dead, <laughs> essentially, um, Joey calls over, uh, girl Matilda, who's actually Janet's friend, who is Bart's girlfriend. Um, she's a nurse. She's also a Wiccan and really kind of in tune to like some supernatural things. And she basically comes to the conclusion that he's a vampire and that Joey has to cut off his head and drive a stake through his heart to make sure that he doesn't come back to life. Otherwise he's going to start feeding on the blood and or flesh of the living. Um, and he basically says, you know, this is my best friend. I can't do that. So, she says, you know, basically says, okay, you're going to come to regret this, and she leaves. The next night... That's called foreshadowing. <laughs> um, the next night, uh, Bart 
reanimates again. And once again, Joy tries to feed him. She makes him, like, spam and... <laughs> like, cuts the spam into little people. I noticed that. <laughs> he tries to feed him, and so... Spam and eggs, I think it was. Yeah, he... You know, Joey said, okay, it's your favorite. You know, whether or not he's joking, I, I don't know, but it's his favorite. So he starts eating it, and you can see him start to kind of gag a little bit. And then, sure as hell, he starts puking this black shit again. And again, just so much. Yeah, he, like, fills up the plate to where it's, like, it's overfilling, like, spreading out on the table. And it's like, they just made this as gross as possible. Um, and so he just kind of says to Joey, he's like, you, you got to help me. Um, so obviously on the advice, <laughs> well, not necessarily the advice, but on the information that Matilda had, uh, given him, Joey takes him to a blood bank. And so Bart goes in there he try he sneaks into the, um, the, the, the holding room, um, and starts he, he attempts to get into a fridge to take some blood. And while he's doing this, this nurse comes in and stops him. Um, and so he pulls out <laughs> a, a gun from his... Uzi. He has an Uzi. <laughs> pull, pulls it out of his, his duffel bag that he brought with him. And he said, just give me some blood. <laughs> She's like asking him all these, like, uh, to the viewer, just completely ridiculous, unnecessary questions. Like... What do you... She thinks he's in, like, a cult or something. Yeah. She thinks she's, like, some kind of devil worship thing. And she says, what kind, what type of blood do you need? And he says, I don't care. I, I don't know. Just give me some blood. It's like, well, she, she, he says, that's none of your business. <laughs> it is my business. I'm a nurse. And if somebody gets the wrong type of blood, they're done. So what type do you need? He says, just give me the fucking blood. Um and, I don't uh, think it's going to do any damage to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she starts giving him the blood, and you're just handing over, you know, pint by pint. And um, she starts saying, like, you know, there's a way, there, there are other ways to do this. You don't need to be like this. And he's just like, what are you talking about? She's like, when's the last time you had a stress test? <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> Have you heard of Dianetics? Yeah. <laughs> So now he's dealing with a Scientologist. <laughs> um, and uh, so he gets gets the blood, um, and I think he starts drinking it there. I think he starts drinking it when he gets in the car. Okay. So I think some blood spills, and the, the nurse starts freaking out, and he, he just books it out of there, and he and Joey take off. And in the car, he cracks open a bag of blood and starts drinking. Just starts going to town. Yeah, on it. just like like he. Like, if I'm drinking blood for the first time. I'm gonna kind of like dip my tongue in it. And kinda, yeah, and he's just. Blah. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's like anything where it's like you know, even people that don't drink like drinking water as a rule. It's like when they need water, they will pound the water. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I imagine it might just be maybe his body telling him this is what he needs. Um, anyway. So he cracks into it and starts drinking it, and you can see his face kind of gets a little color back. A little bit. He still looks dead. Yeah, but in particular, the bullet hole in his forehead from uh, from his you know his death shot uh, heals up. I mean, it's completely gone. 
Well, I guess there's a little bit of remnant of a... Yeah, it's kind of like a scar. Yeah. But for all intents and purposes, he's healed. Um, so obviously they've discovered what he needs to sustain himself. Um, I think it's the next night when... He, <laughs> actually, he's, you see they, they're kind of driving around the night, and it goes to the next morning and shows Joey... <laughs> carrying carrying Bart's dead body up the stairs <laughs> back into the apartment. His neighbor's out there like, what are you doing? Yeah. He's like, oh, he's just drunk. He had too much to drink. Thank you. Goodbye. Did, did you notice the neighbor's name? No. Her name was Mrs. Akamonic, which was the name of the neighbor from ALF. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't know if that was intentional, but I got a kick out of it. Um, so he, the next night... When Bart comes back to life, um, obviously during the day, Joey had done some research um, and basically explains to him that Bart could either be a zombie, because zombies are dead. Um, I like it when he's reading the description of zombie. He's like, brainless, you. <laughs> no moral thoughts, you. <laughs> Devoid of thought. Um and, you know, feeds on the flesh of the living, flesh and or brains of the living. Um, and then he also explains vampires, which are undead. They drink blood. They can only live during, they can only come out during the night. Um, and so, he, you know, first Bart says, so I'm a zombie. He says, well, no. And that's actually when he explains vampires. He says, okay, so I'm a vampire. And he says, you're a revenant. Oh, he said it. <laughs> um, so they basically just decide that he's undead. He's a revenant um, and needs blood to sustain himself. The following night, they go out and they're just on a beer run. Just getting some snacks and a couple 40s. Um, and well, first, first they were trying to find hobos. They they were they were gonna kill the hobos so that uh, so the Bart could drink their blood. Right. They they basically come to terms with the fact that they can't rob the blood bank. Right. <laughs> they can't keep robbing the blood bank. So yeah, they go out trying to find homeless people, and, and the hobos will get in the car. Yeah. Like I just have the money. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, your sign says we'll work for food. Yeah. We have some work for you, and we'll give you some food. Yeah. Like, I'll just take the money. Yeah, it's just typical scumbag hobos that, uh, you know, they don't actually want to do work. They just want the money. <laughs> um, so they wind up at a convenience store. In a bad part of town. Yeah, it was in some kind of, some barrio in, in L.A. Um, and they actually get approached by um, this, this cholo gangster guy. Um, points a gun at Bart. And, you know, tries to take his money. <laughs> I don't have any money. We spent it all on cocaine and hookers. <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh, you, you, you're trying to get Mexican hookers? He's like, you coming to my barrio and, and trying to take my women? Uh, of course, then he says no. And he's like, oh, why not? Mexican girls aren't good enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> Just can't win. <laughs> anyway, so uh, through, you know, just several confusing, you know, happenings uh this cholo actually ends up shooting bart 
and Bart collapses on the floor, and Joey comes after, you know, comes to help, and he's just kind of being held up, and Bart stands up, and so this this troll like lights him up, like empties his clip. That's on funny. Him. He sounds like like a little kid playing a game because he's like, "No, you're dead. I shot you." Yeah, <laughs> and he just unloads the clip on him, and Bart's just dead on the ground. But I, I don't know what what, he, what it was he was holding, but Joey. It was the club for your steering wheel. Oh, okay. And any anyway, Bart just clocks this guy in the back of the head, and he he goes down. And so they they pick him up, they put him in the car, and Bart at first he just, he doesn't want to drink and um joey says this is what you have to do uh you have you have to drink his blood i mean he's he's, he's bleeding all over the seats so just drink and so he starts drinking the blood from the wound in his head so this kind of leads them into um essentially becoming vigilantes basically they are in another convenience store on another night they're just kind of going on a snack run in some 40s and some in uh, some snacks, and um, they discover that the convenience store is actually currently being robbed while they're in there. Bart has the Cholo's gun, shoots the guy dead after being shot several times himself, and so that kind of leads them. You know, the, the shop owner he's very thankful. Doesn't, doesn't seem to question the fact that Bart was shot directly <laughs> in the chest. Stands up again and then shoots the guy, but he's very thankful, um, and then actually reports to the media that these vigilantes saved his life in his shop. And so this leads them, you know, mainly based on Joey's idea, <laughs> that they can be like crime fighters, basically. Yeah, Bart's essentially a superhero. Yeah, uh, and Bart seems obviously very um, hesitant to do it at first. <laughs> and is this the point where Joey says, and, you know, maybe... What you could do is you could give me the dark gift. The dark gift? The dark gift. The dark gift. The dark gift. (laughs) And he's just, yeah, basically just mocking him for for calling it the dark gift. It kind of reminded me of, like, if we were in that situation. (laughs) I was going to say us. Yeah. Uh, Say dark gift again. The dark gift. You're an asshole. (laughs) The dark gift. Um so basically, you know, Bart kind of laughs it off, and they basically just go on this spree of vigilantism, taking down drug dealers um, and uh, you know other criminals. And <laughs> throughout the movie, they're just racking up this collection of guns. Yeah, because you know they they take the drug dealers' guns and, and cocaine and cocaine <laughs> and just these wads of money. Um, and so obviously they're gaining a lot of attention from the police, um, and this kind of starts to create trouble for them. Um, and at one point, Joey actually does get shot by... Just three kids. You never really see them. They go into a convenience store. or They see one guy go in, so Bart goes in, mm-hmm. and then these two other guys run in, so Joey goes in to try and help them. Right. And you hear all this gunfire, and the two kids run out, or the three kids run out, and Bart's carrying Joey, who's... Bleeding, bleeding profusely from his chest. And so Joey thinks he's basically dying, and then I think he actually does pass out, probably from blood loss, or maybe he died, who knows. Um, and so Bart decides that the only way to really save him is to give him the dark gift. <laughs> <laughs> so he drinks from him, and 
uh, the next night, Joy comes back to life as a revenant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they kind of continue their little crime-fighting spree. At that point, they turn into, I put in my notes, uh, blood-sucking boondock saints. <laughs> there you go. Good one. <laughs> um, and so... I guess that's the basic premise of the movie. I won't get too far into the you know the latter half of the movie, you know, because then I'll start revealing how it ends and, and and such. But that's basically the general premise: is just kind of undead vigilantes. Um, but it's really funny. <laughs> it is. It, it's it's mostly a comedy for a good portion of the movie. Yeah, I mean, there are certain parts that get a little darker. Yeah, like I, I would say, the end of the movie is, has a lot more horror undertones than the rest of it. Yeah, um, and you kind of find out like how this infection spreads, um, and this kind of the steps you have to go through to kill a revenant, basically. Yeah, um, but like you said, it's, it's really funny. I did not expect it to be this funny. <laughs> the part with the dildo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, don't explain it. Don't explain it. Okay. <laughs> yes, there is a dildo, so look for it. <laughs> you can't miss it. <laughs> um, so this this was a very long movie. It was just short of two hours. Yeah, it's like a minute or an hour fifty seven minutes. Or yeah, something like that. I mean something like this, you kind of expect it to be an hour and like 20 minutes, maybe yeah. an hour and a half. But yeah, this went almost full two hours. Um, and uh, that wasn't necessarily a problem, but a certain point during the movie, because yeah, I was watching this pretty late at night, and I'm just sitting there, it's like, okay, I mean, <laughs> i got to go to bed soon. There are parts that lag a little bit. I think it, it probably could have been cut down to, you know, an hour and a half, hour 40 minutes or so. Yeah. Without losing a lot of luster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, a lot of the, uh, I guess probably the scenes where they're, like, taking down different uh, drug dealers and, and things of that nature. I think a lot of that could have been a little more concise or maybe cut out altogether. Um, but, no, it, it was it was a good movie, though, uh, regardless of the length. Uh, so I said, at the beginning, it starts out in Iraq, and Bart and it's fellow soldiers are kind of running a truck through the desert. And just the conversation they said were having, it sounded like Bart was just sick of it all. Like, like he, he didn't really believe in the cause anymore, which I think may have been, well, cause the, the one guy was like, you know, we're here to kill period. I don't care. You know, there's no ifs, ands or buts. That's what we're here to do. Right. And Bart was, you know, not so on board with that. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, like like you said, one guy is there. He's saying, we're here to kill. Bart still had, you know, we're here to liberate people and give them this and that. Mm-hmm. And then the third soldier, you know, he's, he's almost in the middle. He says, like, we're here to preserve freedom and our interests. It's like, okay, well, that means our oil interests. <laughs> um, but uh, a little bit of kind of political uh, commentary there yeah. um, in that yeah like like Bart he obviously still believed in the cause like why we were supposed to be there right but kind of was starting to come to terms with the fact okay this isn't actually why we're here 
we're not actually here to help anyone. Yeah. Uh, so he, he seemed a little, I almost put it like maybe battle-worn. He just was sick of it and didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, at one point, after Bart comes back, not during the Iraq part, but at one point he decides he wants to try and kill himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously that doesn't go well. He puts a gun in his mouth, pulls the trigger. All he gets is a wound on the back of his head. Yeah. Tries to hang himself. Just dangles there for a while. Mm-hmm. And he throws himself in front of a train. <laughs> train goes by, and he just stands up. He's missing an arm. Yeah. <laughs> he just can't seem to kill himself. Yeah, he kind of... It, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Return of the Living Dead, where the zombies are just, like, almost impossible to kill. Yeah. Like, um, there's no way to actually stop them. Um, but, uh, and you know, the fact that there's a dead guy walking around, and the fact that he looks dead, uh, similar to, um, Contracted, it doesn't seem to bother a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, like, there's that scene where they pull up, they're in the car, and they pull up next to those girls, and he, like, lifts his sunglasses, and shows that he just has these all-white eyes, and they're just like, huh, and flip him off. Yeah. It's like, I would be terrified. Yeah. It's like, this guy looks like death and has no eyes. <laughs> yeah, I would be hitting that accelerator as fast as I could. Absolutely. Um, and so it was um, a little confusing, kind of an oversight, I think. Um, but, like, like even just the, the general public, like the people they interact with, just don't really, like, like you said, the, the, the shop owner in, in um, Koreatown, he, like, he doesn't react at all to the fact that Bart had just been shot in the chest and stood up. He may have been in shock a little bit, though. Yeah, possibly. Well, uh, actually leads me to another thing, because when Bart was shot, you know, actually, <laughs> all the times when Bart's been shot, um, he, was, he was bleeding. Except for the first time. When the Cholo guy shot him, he didn't bleed. Did? No, he knows, I noticed that because I put it in my notes. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't. I, I found it really odd, and then it made it even more odd that when he was shot every time after that, he did bleed. I guess, yeah, if he didn't bleed the first time, that might explain it a little more, because um, they, they said it at a certain point, like when Matilda was kind of inspecting him, you know, checking him out, um, she said that, you know, he's dead. I mean, he's been embalmed. So, being embalmed obviously means that you have no more blood. So the fact that he was bleeding, I thought it was a little confusing. But I guess if he didn't bleed the first time, maybe he was actually bleeding the blood that he had drank. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. We'll resolve that question then. Um, yeah, I resolved yours and you resolved mine. How about that? <laughs> uh... But yeah, Bart, he, through this whole thing, he, he seems very reluctant. It doesn't, I mean... To I, being a vigilante? Yeah, I mean, like, I, even just the whole, like, being a dead, he seems very turned off to the whole idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but no, seriously, he, 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 as opposed to where Joey thinks it's really cool, right? Bart never seems to really get into it. Um, and like 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 when Joey wanted <laughs> the dark gift, uh, and Bart just laughed it off and thought it was stupid. Uh, like why? He 
kind of implied why would anybody want this, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's that. I mean, like, I think that kind of leads into the beginning, uh, kind of picks up like at the beginning when he's still alive. And he, like I said, he just seems like kind of sick of it all. Just the whole, you know, sick of the war, sick of, you know, not being there for a reason that he believes in. I think this might kind of relate closely to that. Makes sense. Um, and also it kind of like when he, obviously when he drinks blood, kind of becomes a little bit second nature, but you can kind of tell he doesn't actually want to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, I kept thinking back to our Maniac, or actually Buffer's Maniac review when he was talking about how there's parts of L.A. where there's never any cops around. He's yeah, like, that must be where they live. <laughs> because every night somebody's getting robbed and there's never any cops around. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, like just drug dealers disappearing left and right. I mean, you have to think that the LAPD might at least have an eye on some of them. Right. <laughs> um, since considering it's like one of the biggest police forces in the country. But, yeah, they there never seems to be a cop around. I think maybe a couple times they have to, like, bail out before a cop gets there or yeah. something. And I think that may have happened once or twice. But, um, and when they do kill someone in Bart drinks from them. I mean, it's kind of like a um, two-for-one deal. I mean, they, they kill the drug dealer and Bart gets to feed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they always, like, wrap them in, in plastic and rocks and drop them off a bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I guess you, you, you kind of find out that... I mean, it's through, through the whole movie, actually, I was kind of sitting and thinking, okay, well, if this is like a virus, you know, especially when he, he turned... Joey into a revenant. Um, it's like okay, well, what happened to all these people that Bart had been feeding on? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Because um, they were throwing them off the bridge, but it was like so. There's just this pile of gift wrapped revenants on the bottom of the lake. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, they're going to start poking up the lo- above the waterline because they always drop them in the same place. And it's like if you're weighting them down with rocks, the current's not going to carry them very far. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, so basically through almost all the movie, I was just sitting and thinking, what happened to the rest of them, you know? Um, and kind of discover that, like, the only way to actually kill a remnant is to cut his head off while he's dead during the day. Right. And through certain circumstances in the movie, you find out if you cut their head off while they're alive at night, they, their head continues to live. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, uh, Bart is played by uh, David Anders, and um, I've seen him in a handful of things before. People, you know, might, might recognize him from uh, uh, either uh, Heroes, where he played uh, uh, Takezo, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Takezo Kensei. Uh, he was kind of like, Heroes, hero, <laughs> um, just heroes, hero on heroes. Yeah, this is, he was like this ancient Japanese warrior, but he was a white guy who <laughs> couldn't die. Hi, <laughs> 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 um, Yeah, <laughs> um, 
Um, but also, he more recently he's in uh, Once Upon a Time. He actually plays Doctor Whale slash Victor Frankenstein. Um, so I I've seen him in a handful of things, and he, he I, I really like him. He's a really good actor. He he does both comedy and drama very well. I think, um, and as opposed to um, Chris Wilde, who plays Joey. Um, his, I think his major credit is having his having a TV show on MTV. Yeah, the Chris Wilde show starring Chris Wilde. Right. <laughs> uh, other than that, I think all that I can really remember him in is or like just commercials throughout the years. Yeah. Um, but he's definitely the comic relief. I mean, that that's for most for the most part, that's all he does. Is he's just the comedy, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to where uh, David Anders, he he kind of does. Both he does he's he's the he's the drama and the comedy, um, especially when you know he and Joey are together they kind of bounce off each other a little bit but um, so yeah I, I I think for this role it was really good pick as far as an actor um, I think this movie actually predates even Heroes if I remember right that could be wrong but I'm pretty sure it does. Um, and so this this may have been kind of like how he really spun off into a career, I guess. You know, at one point, uh, his girlfriend Janet actually finds out about him, and you find out that she's just not right in the head. She's a little freaky. Yeah, like she seems just well, I wouldn't say content, but she seems like she's all right with the fact that. He's dead. Yeah. Uh, She's just not okay with him killing other people to feed him. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes about some strange methods to help him with that. <laughs> I, it, was, it was a decent idea. It's poor execution. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she, she was a weird one. I mean, I'm just sitting there feeling uncomfortable because of how just disturbed she was. <laughs> That um, scene was a, that was a little unnerving. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, I mean, this was a pretty good movie. I I, I really liked it. Um, another thing, like among a lot of awards that it's received when it was basically running like the festival run and um, just uh, you know, different showings and uh, different film festivals, um, it actually did receive uh, at the two thousand nine New York's uh, New York Horror Festival. Um, it got best film, best director, and best actor. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously this is for David well. Anders. What's that? For David Anders? Yes. Um, so, obviously, uh, it, it was pretty popular among uh, among viewers. Um, and um, it's, it's got, like, on sites like uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a pretty good, re- like, percentage um, uh, on there. and uh, some pretty decent reviews. Um so obviously this was this was pretty well liked and like like I said I, I really liked it and I thought it was very well done, um, especially I mean except for like horror fans I think this movie kind of slipped past the radar a little bit yeah because um, like I said it is it is I would say more comedy than horror yeah and you know that, that that's that's a hard balance I think I mean, if you want a horror movie you really have to limit the comedy otherwise you kind of break down that tension you know? right. Um, so I think they, I think they just kind of maybe 
didn't really worry about that and just just did the comedy and threw in the horror. Um, or I guess vice versa, more like they they did the horror and threw in the comedy and just said the hell with it and you know, it rolled punches and it worked out really well, I thought. So, um I guess all that being said, um Really good movie. I uh, really enjoyed it. I would definitely watch it again. Definitely recommend it to others. Um, so I think I will go ahead and give it uh, a seven. Uh, yeah, I think I'm right there with you again. Um, it, be a cat. <laughs> it like I, I think it could have been a little higher if it was maybe a little shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the scenes, like like we said, could have been cut down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think the effects were very well done. Um, you know, like the parts where he was vomiting were just disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> um, the part where he shot himself, I thought that the wound looked very, you know, it didn't look like just a tacked on thing on the back of his head. It actually looked legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess that's something I didn't actually discuss very much was the effects, which is weird for me. But, um, yeah, they were all very well done. So yeah, I'm gonna say seven as well. We're like, we're like cowboys. We're like vampire superheroes. Maybe I think maybe like maybe you could make me a vampire, right? I mean, like I'll drink your blood or you drink my blood. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever we have to do to give me the dark gift. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I can give you the dark gift. I... The dark gift. The dark gift. Yeah, man, that'd be great. Okay. Absolutely. I'm, I'm in a happy place. We're on TV. This is cool. And now you're shitting on me with sarcasm. Okay? So fuck off. You're a dick. Say dark gift again. The dark gift. You're a child. Well... That's another one done. Um, I feel good about it. Yeah, I'm fairly satisfied. Yeah. That's what she said. <laughs> okay, so um, we'll be back in a couple weeks with our Christmas episode. Uh, we actually, previ- on our, our previous schedule, we were actually going to be putting one out next week, which would be the week before Christmas. But now that we're on this new schedule, we'll actually be putting an episode on Christmas Day. So... I don't know. Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Take some time out while you're opening presents and listen to our soothing, sexy voices. Yeah. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes or you can listen to us on Stitcher Radio or at our website, graveplotpodcast.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google Plus. And we will see you next time. Don't. F- oh, we have a voicemail now. Oh, we do. Yes. <laughs> you can call our voicemail and leave us. You know, thoughts on our episodes or, you know, how much you like us. Or you can give us your own reviews. We'll listen to them, and if they're good, we'll put them on the show. So you can call us at 858-848-PLOT. That's 858-848-7568. Very good. <laughs> Didn't even have to look at my phone. Ooh. All right, so anything else before we go? Uh... I was going to come up with something clever, but I just... But you're not clever. Not not that fast. (laughs) I'll come up with something in like 20 minutes and be like, oh, let's re-record.
Okay, so now that's everything. Yeah, let's get out of here. Okay. See you later, guys. Catch you in a couple weeks. Cheers. That's the way I like it.